God's word right now. I got to get my chapstick on here. Here we are, Psalm 65, and a title of the message this morning, Praise is Awaiting Him. And listen, there's no doubt this, this is a broken world that we are living in. Um, there are broken people all around us. All you got to do is look around and you can see it. And it just seems like it's getting more and more broke. Uh, praise God, this psalm is a psalm about restoration. It's, it's a psalm about the restoration. It speaks of the restoration of all things. This psalm speaks of all flesh worshiping the Lord in Zion. And that's soon to come. This psalm speaks about reconciliation, the reconciliation of fallen man to God uh, through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's another psalm of David that overflows with worship of God and reasons to worship God. And we want to get these truths in our hearts that we could abound in worshiping our Lord and our God. Uh, notice how it starts again to the chief musician. A, song, a, a psalm of David, a song. And it, we know all these are songs. All of these uh, were, were words that were penned to worship the Lord. It's interesting with this one. It says a song, which really means it could be sung or it can be read. You think a song means, again, it's just to be sung. But, but that's what that denotes there. It would be read. It would be sung. Maybe it would be read as music was being played. But absolutely, it was meant to be prophetic. It was meant to be worshipful instructive and so forth and it's my prayer that we get all those things out of it this morning and even more so i want to start here as we just say a little groundwork just reading the first four verses and then diving into this and then we'll build on that as we go through the word this morning it says again to the chief musician a psalm of david a song praise is awaiting you O god in zion and to you the vow shall be performed O you hear prayer to you all flesh will come iniquities prevail against me as for our transgressions you will provide atonement for them blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house of your holy temple now notice how he starts here praise is awaiting you O god and zion and as you get in the word of truth as you get into the word of god we see Again, even in, in the history of, of uh, the scriptures in Israel, indeed, there were times when God was being praised in Zion. And again, Zion, it's one of the mounts there in Jerusalem. And we talk about Zion, we are speaking about Jerusalem. We know in David's day, the tabernacle had been moved to Jerusalem. And indeed, there were times when God was greatly glorified and honored there. Sadly, though, as you look at the overall history of Jerusalem, there have been more times when God has not been praised there, when God has not been worshipped there. Uh, praise God in all of that. God was faithful to keep Israel and bring forth the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, through Israel, despite her unfaithfulness to him. And praise God, even in these days we are living in, we've seen Israel regathered as God prophesied she would, and we know the day is coming soon. In fact, we'll touch on it a bit this morning where all Israel will put faith in the Lord, and he will be glorified. Sadly, though, as you look at the history of Israel and even, you know, at the last few thousand years of history, there are so many times when God has not been worshipped there, and that's the result of man's sin. It's the result of the hardness of heart. And I believe as you look at Jerusalem, you can see even a picture of the world. I think you even see a picture of the world that we are living in today. Very interesting in the book of Revelation when Jerusalem is talked about. And it's talked about much in Revelation. But at one point in Revelation 11, it's talking about the two witnesses that will be there as a witness to the world of the gospel of God. And it says they'll lay in the street uh, for three and a half days and then God will resurrect them and rapture them up. But it describes Jerusalem there in Revelation 11.8. And it says, uh, the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where our Lord was crucified. And here's this place that was set aside, set aside for uh, worship unto God. And it's this place that, again, we'll see some scriptures here in a minute where uh, 
you know, it, the Lord will reign in his millennial time here on earth for a thousand years and where the new Jerusalem will even come down from heaven. And that's God's intention and God's purpose to be glorified there and for us to have this eternal fellowship there. And yet from man's sin and from man's uh, rebellion and so forth, for the most part in Jerusalem, you look at the history of it and, and God hasn't been worshiped very much there at all. In fact, uh, the opposite has been the case many times. Even in the day of David, you would think, you know, in the time of this uh, man who was a, after God's own heart, surely God was worshiped there and glorified there all, you know, his days. And you think about even the time of Absalom's rebellion, his son's rebellion that we've touched a lot on in uh, the Psalms. And just thinking about this in 2 Samuel sixteen twenty two, it says, they pitched, pitched a tent for Absalom on top of the house and Absalom went into his father con- co- father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And in and, and this place where God's supposed to be glorified, David the king's son has rebelled against him in part because of David's earlier sins. And now here where God is to be glorified, his son is going into his father's concubines, which that was whole, a whole issue in itself that was really outside of God's biblical guidelines and he was very gracious towards them there in the old testament and instead of god being glorified you see this great abominable picture of adultery and this great abominable uh picture of rebellion against the living god and then you follow the kings down through you know after david there in jerusalem even uh his own son solomon who was endowed with great wisdom and yet he went and he married all these pagan women and brought all in these different forms of worship there in in israel and then his son comes and even increases that more rehoboam and and you go and there's a few kings along the way that bring reforms and worship god and yet so many times with them they did this and this but the high places weren't torn down or these other things continued on and then there's even low low even lower points like when king manasseh was there in uh in jerusalem and we see a description of what he did there in second chronicles 33 and we're going somewhere with this uh you know talking about praise awaiting him and we got to look at you know what the the previous and then what will come forth but you look at manasseh when he was king and second chronicles 33 1 it says manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and uh you know that's maybe part of the problem right there that's pretty young to become a king it says he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem, but he did evil on the side of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And, and from here, we, we get a description. In many ways, it looks very much like our world today, very much like as it's described there, Sodom and Egypt uh, today. It says he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. And in the high places, they would go and they would bring offering a sacrifice to gods other than the only god the living god to demons it says he raised up altars for biel and made wooden images he worshiped uh, all the hosts of heaven and served them he built altars in the house of the lord of which the lord had said in jerusalem shall my name be forever so he went right there into the temple themselves and built altars to biel and Ashereth and so forth this place where god's name was to be Verse 5, he built altars to the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And then in verse 6, it says, he caused his sons to pass to the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. So this king of Jerusalem, this king of Judah, offered his sons to demonic gods right there in Jerusalem. And this is a picture of him sacrificing them through the fire. It says he practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, sorcery consulted mediums and spiritists he did much evil on the side of the lord to provoke him to anger he even set a carved image the idol which he had made in the house of god and you see a continuation of this last week we talked about in the days of ezekiel when god gave ezekiel a vision to dig through the walls there where the leadership of israel was the leadership of jerusalem was and he saw them practicing an abominable things interesting in ezekiel eight sixteen, it says when he saw this vision it says there that uh he brought me into the inner court of the lord's house and there at the door of the temple of the lord between the porch and the altar there were about 25 men with their backs towards the temple of the lord and their faces towards the east and they were worshiping the sun 
towards the east. And you see this pattern throughout Jerusalem. You see the pattern in the world today of people worshiping other things than the living God, worshiping the works of their hands. Others, you know what, worshiping idols and demonic and so forth and just a great growing of the things of the east and witchcraft and so on and so forth and rebellion itself being as the sin of witchcraft. And again, in this scene, they're worshiping the, the, the sun. I don't know if you guys saw this week, but DC Comics, they're coming out with a new comic book, and it's called The Second Coming, and you know, at, at first, you're, oh wow, you know, are they following Jack Chick's lead to put forth, you know, uh, something that's godly, and yet the, the comic itself is about how God the Father, and this is DC, who's making Aquaman and Justice League and all these movies, you know, that, that so many flock to, it's a movie about how God the Father was disappointed with Jesus' first coming. Because he failed and that he was crucified. So for the last 2,000 years, he's been secluded in heaven in punishment. And God has looked down and he has seen this new superhero called Sun Man. And don't think that's cultic. Don't think that has to do with worshiping the hosts of heaven and so forth. And God the Father is so impressed with Sun Man, he sends his son, his second coming down to learn from him. And they live in some apartment somewhere. And, you know, the whole thing is just a mockery of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that, that's what we've come to as a culture. God who sent his son is now being mocked as a failure in his death and resurrection. And that's where he triumphed over sin, death, and Satan and Hades and has given us eternal life by grace through faith in him. And again, you look at the history of Zion, you look at the history of Jerusalem, and you see this over and over again. Yet because he is faithful, he says here, praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. And listen, he always prevails, and he always brings forth a remnant of worshipers. Because even in the midst of all those things we just described, there was always a small remnant of worshipers. In Elijah's day, he thought he was the only one, yet the Lord showed him, there's 7,000 I reserved who have not bent knee to Beel. And you think of Christ's uh, birth, you know, the small gathering of shepherds in the midst of, you know, at Herod and the Pharisees, really ravishing Israel and it being a place of darkness the small gathering of shepherds there come to worship the Lord you then got the Lord coming there and passion week and the small crowd that comes and you know it shouts Hosanna the few at the cross the 120 at Pentecost even in Israel today they say about two percent there are born again believers a growing number but still a very small number but very very soon listen all Israel is going to be saved very, very soon, all Israel will look up. They'll go through that time of the tribulation and Jacob's trouble and so forth. And we talk much about it. And all of them will worship God. And indeed, God will be fully praised in Zion. And there'll be a millennial reign for a thousand years of the Lord reigning on this earth. And as followers of Christ, we're going to rule and reign with them. And in that time, God is going to be glorified. God is going to be honored. Absolutely, he'll be praised in Zion. And then there'll be the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate restoration when there is a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem comes down upon this earth. And indeed, God is going to be praised. God is going to be glorified in Zion. And at that point, it will be a perfect praise and a pure praise and it will last forever and ever and ever and ever and it's glorious because listen he is praised in zion and even greater and eternal praises wait for him in zion we aren't in zion though we're in a tascadero and the question is is he being praised today is he be glorified today are we abounding and praising him today the Lord said about his return, will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to the earth? And my hope would be in a Tascadero, he'll, he'll find some faith, he'll find some praise, he'll find some worship, because indeed he is worthy of all of it. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion, and to you the vow shall be performed. Now a vow is something that's promised to be done, and there's many vows that are made. I think the only ones, though, that we can confidently say will be performed are the vows that he has made to us. And indeed, he vowed at that point to send his son. And indeed, his son came, went to the cross to make that way of restoration. Again, he was buried. He was risen from the grave to make that way of restoration. Indeed, those vows have been performed. We also know that he is coming soon. And indeed, that vow will be performed. And we know absolutely that 
every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on earth below the earth and in heaven that Jesus Christ is Lord and that vow will be performed and we need to rejoice in that and celebrate that God is faithful to his promises hang your hat on that this morning now notice verse 2 he says oh you who oh you who hear prayer to you all flesh will come indeed all flesh don't come to him today but he says all flesh will come this is talking about restoration in this broken world right now the description is wide is the gate that leads to destruction and there's many that go in by it but this is a declaration to the one who hears prayer that all flesh will come to him now notice again the first part of this to you who hear prayer aren't you glad that god hears prayer this morning do you believe he hears prayer listen the fruit that we believe that he hears prayer is us praying and i just pray that we could abound in our prayer closets bound as a people of prayer we had a glorious time of prayer this morning at eight o'clock i know that everyone can't make that i know that's a challenge for many but boy i'd encourage you if you can come out you know look at our calendar if there's times you can come out on sunday morning on uh thursday afternoon or thursday at noon uh the men's prayer on monday or the ladies you know at bible studies they pray during the first part of those bible studies on tuesday the home groups and so forth that you're praying absolutely in your prayer closet in your family you're making a point to get together with believers and to pray this fallen broken world needs to be prayed for needs to be interceded for needs to be lifted up to the lord there's people in your life that need to be prayed for that even the blinders would come off their eyes and listen our god hears prayer and he says here to you all flesh will come now this is multi-layered this is prophetic and oftentimes in scripture when there's a prophetic word there's layers of that prophecy there's multiple fulfillments and then an ultimate fulfillment and that's the case as well with this to you all flesh will come because first and foremost this is prophesying about pentecost this is prophesying about the church about god pouring his holy spirit out on all flesh and again we've talked about this a lot of times in the past so i don't want to spend a whole lot of time about it but in the old testament we know the spirit came upon prophets priests and kings and yet it was prophesied by the prophet joel and then that prophesy was spoken forth there in the book of acts when the holy spirit was poured out about all flesh Acts 2 17 it shall come to pass in the last days says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my maidservants on my men servants and maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days and these shall prophesy and it goes on to verse 21 it says and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and so when it's talking about all flesh coming to him we only come to him by the spirit of god listen we can only come and really worship him through the work of the cross receiving the spirit and this morning all flesh can come to him who yield to him praise god is he your lord today can you say amen to that then you've received the holy spirit and god wants to pour out a great measure of the spirit of god upon your life every day and i would hope we'd be found a people desiring the things of the spirit of god not just running around with a carnal appetite a people that would say lord yes fill me today let me be your manservant today let me be your maidservant today give me the, the 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 anointed unction to be able to prophesy god lord let me see what you would have for me that i could walk in that that i could abound in that so again that part of that prophecy has been fulfilled but this also speaks again of the restoration of all things it speaks about again the millennial reign of christ which is soon to come listen we are we are soon soon to 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 be with the lord the lord is coming soon for his church there is a tribulation that is soon coming upon this world the lord said you can look up and you can see that it's going to rain by the way we got a lot of rain coming this week you you can look and see that they 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 didn't have apps they just looked up and saw the sky was red and they they knew it was going to rain he says when you see these signs you're going to know that that my return is soon and all those signs are unfolding around us and there'll be a tribulation and then there's going to be an ushering in again of a thousand year reign of christ and it's not going to be like the world is today in that time it talks about this on isaiah 2 2 it says now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the lord's house shall be established 
on the top of the mountains and he shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it many people shall come and say come and let us go up to the mountain of the lord to the house of the god of jacob and he will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths for out of zion shall go forth the law and the word of the lord from jerusalem and he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people and these shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore won't that be a glorious day i mean what a glorious day instead of turning their rakes and hoes into weapons they'll turn their rep weapons into rakes and a hose they won't learn war anymore and again all nations will flow to him what a glorious thing we need to pray for our nation today the nations of the world today but praise god the day is coming when again all flesh will go and it even speaks in that time if those nations don't go up there'll be drought in their land and the lord will chasten them to bring them up and then praise god there'll be that final restoration and reconciliation of all things after that millennial reign there'll be a new heaven a new earth a new jerusalem is spoken of in revelation that will come down to this earth and listen to what the word says about this place revelation 21 22 but i saw no temple in it for the lord god almighty and the lamb are its temple the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of god illuminated it the lamb is its light notice notice verse 24 and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it its gate shall be shut its gate shall not be shut by day there shall be no night there and there shall and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it and then verse 27 but there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but those that are written in the lamb's book of life and again when you look at that time of manasseh all the abominable things all of the again uh, passing of their children through the the fire in the valley of hinnom the witchcraft and so forth and you see the description by christ of even jerusalem today even in his regathering of her and all that he's doing there he says she is spiritually a sodom in egypt yet the day is coming when again there will be a new jerusalem god will be perfectly praised and it says that by no means nothing will enter that will defy it defile it cause abomination there won't be lies there but god will be perfectly glorified and we will be perfect before him forever and ever and ever and indeed it's going to be a glorious glorious day and it is coming and it is coming soon and it's something that we should be rejoicing in we should be excited about listen you have a lot to look forward to as followers of jesus christ verse three it says iniquities prevail against me as for our transgressions you will provide atonement for them and again in the midst of speaking of restoration david is talking about brokenness and he starts about his own brokenness he says iniquities prevail against me and listen there's a lesson here we always want to address the sin in our own life first there's some people they're sin sniffers and they always want to address the sin in other people's lives we need to start by getting the log out of our own eye and david starts with himself again iniquities prevail against me and you see this throughout david's life you see it in the life of this man after god's own heart where he is looking at his heart and he's asking god to search his heart and very rarely do you find david you know uh you know uh, talking about his own righteousness without first going to the lord for cleansing in fact he has some incredible descriptions about his iniquity and how they had prevailed against him in the psalms in psalm 38 4 he says for my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden they're too heavy for me you ever feel that way man my sin's too heavy for me it it is a burden that's just crushing me in psalm 40 verse 12 he says for innumerable evils have surrounded me and then he says my iniquity my iniquities have overtaken me so that i am not able to look up they are more than the hairs of my head therefore my heart fails me and this isn't just true about david this is true about all of us there's just some folks like david who are more aware of it than others but our iniquities have overtaken us listen our iniquities 
hold us down. They separated us from God Almighty. And David makes that proclamation there. He doesn't stand in self-righteousness. He doesn't sound, stand in some sort of self-piety or holier than thouness. Uh, a man after own gar- his, God's own heart declares, my iniquities have prevailed against me. And then he moves from there, as for our transgressions. And so now he's speaking of the collective group. My iniquities have prevailed against me and transgressions have prevailed against all of us. We want to address these things. We want to address our sin. And it's also important that we address our sin. And yes, we need to know, first of all, that we all have sin. We know it started in the garden when man sinned and death came forth and death and sin prevailed over man. And this brokenness that needs to be restored, that's where it all started. And then it was passed down to all men. And death is passed to all men. And sin will prevail. Transgressions will prevail. Iniquities will prevail if God does not provide atonement. Again, iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. And praise God this morning, we look at this from a different dispensation. David was looking forward to saying, iniquities prevail against me transgressions prevail against us but he will provide atonement and we can look back and we can say isn't this good and glorious to be able to say he has provided atonement he's done that through the lord jesus christ he's provided that washing he's provided that covering that pardoning of our sins and he's done that through the person of jesus christ the whole work of the ministry of christ was about atonement so hilarious that again a company like uh, you know this comic company would write this comic book saying he failed because he went to the cross and was crucified and was killed and yet that's what he succeeded in that's what he came to do to provide atonement to die for my sin to die for your sin to take the wrath through us upon himself to lay down his life and to take it up again and to have victory over sin death and hell and to sit at the right hand of the father as an advocate saying come to me and i will give you atonement i will wash you indeed we see it throughout the scripture when he came on the scene there to start his earthly ministry john 1 29 john the baptist declared behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world or behold the lamb of god who brings atonement who takes away their sin washes away their sin first peter 2 24 he himself bore our sin in his own body on the tree to provide atonement to provide a pardoning to pay the penalty and then revelation 1 5 it says and from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood and that's ultimate restoration when you come to christ when you put your faith in him when you ask for forgiveness you receive that atonement and you are restored once again into relationship positionally right relationship with the lord god almighty now we want to be a people who practically walk in it day in and day out and that's where it's important where we consider our sin and we bring it before him and yet we know like first john 1 9 says if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's good news is it not we also though notice again david says iniquities prevail against me and then he talks about the collective as for our transgressions and again there are some people that they're so fixated and focused on others sin they don't deal with their own sin and then in that focus on other people's sins they're looking at more as reason to condemn them to come against them to feel better about themselves and so forth and listen that's all completely unbiblical and considering the sins of others after first considering ours the bible actually instructs us to pray for those in that place that god would forgive them and this is this is something that's massive there are so many people that are in bondage because of bitterness and sins against them and that are also in a place where there is a spiritual war that's taking place where they're walking in limited victory because they don't want to pray for god to forgive the sins of others very interesting first john 5 16 it says if anyone sees his brother 
Sinning a sin. Has, has anyone ever do that? You ever see your brother sinning a sin? Your sister sinning a sin? All you got to do is open your eyes. You see it all around you, right? If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. And so it says he will ask. In other words, we should ask. When we see a brother or sister in sin, we should ask, Lord, forgive them, wash them of that. Bring them into a place of life. It's not condoning the sin. It's not making light of it. But it's saying, Lord, practically bring them from this place of walking in death to be walking in life, interceding for them. He goes on to say there is a sin leading to death, and I do not say that he should pray about that. And listen, the only sin that leads to death is the sin of unbelief, of not believing. And so again, we want to deal with our sin practically, acknowledge it, ask God to wash it. We should pray for, again, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. The Lord taught us to pray that way, right? And then if you want to get really radical, listen, pray for God to forgive those sins committed against you specifically. And yet there's so many folks, they don't walk in that. Maybe they haven't been taught that. And instead of forgiving those sins, they just either don't deal with it, or sadly, many not only don't forgive, they get a root of bitterness. And bitterness always opens up the door for not the work of God, but the work of the demonic. It's amazing when you start to look at bitterness in the scripture, how it is related to a form of witchcraft itself. Remember Simon the sorcerer when he wanted the power to lay hands on to give the Holy Spirit and Peter rebukes him and he says, you have a spirit of gall. You have a spirit of bitterness. He was bitter because he used to be the big show in town. Everyone came to him to practice witchcraft. Yet the Holy Ghost had come in instead of him humbling his heart. He said, I want that again. He was embittered towards Peter. He was embittered towards John. He was embittered, embittered towards Christ and the work of God. And he says, you know what? you're you're captivated by this when god tells saul that you know what rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft again there there is a a, a tie-in to bitterness there unforgiveness there you want to get freed up you want to see great things happen in the heavenly start praying god will forgive those that have hurt you jesus on the cross Speaking about me, speaking about you, Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And listen, all sins ever committed have been forgiven. The only thing that hasn't is the sin of unbelief. And so we want to walk in the heart and mind of Christ. And I believe there's many perhaps here today that God wants to free up wants to free you wants to bring a restoration to your soul this morning and that comes when you forgive and say no longer am i going to walk in bitterness lord you've forgiven me lord i pray that you would forgive them think about stephen there in acts he's being stoned for the gospel of christ and it says in acts 7 59 they stoned stephen as he was calling on god saying lord jesus receive my spirit then he knelt and he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. These weren't believers that were stoning him. They were unbelievers. And he said, don't charge it against them, Lord. Forgive them. Now, they still had the sin of unbelief. But Stephen said, don't charge us against them. Don't let this, you know what, well up in their life to keep them all the more from coming to Christ. Forgive them of this and break even the power. Listen, that's a breaking of the power of the demonic so their eyes can be opened to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are things we need to practice. These are things that we are called to walk in. And praise God, again, David's praying about his own sin. He's praying about the sin of others. And in all of it, he's pointing to the atonement work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, he says, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and of your holy temple. And again, it speaks of restoration. We shall be satisfied. The day is coming when again, we are gonna be in the goodness of your house and the goodness of your holy temple. Again, holy, set apart from sin. You know what? Clean, pure, upright, righteous. Starts here though by saying, blessed is the man you choose. Blessings are good, right? Right? Can we say amen to blessings this morning? 
Blessed is the man you, God, choose. The word choose here means select. It means to be acceptable. Now, it's interesting in this Matthew twenty two fourteen, Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. He calls many. In fact, you look at the scripture, he calls all. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, come to me, all you who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. John three thirty seven, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And 1 Timothy 2, 3, he says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So he calls all to himself and is desiring for all to come to the knowledge of truth. Many are called, but few are chosen. So who is chosen? We looked at this recently, or not a while, a while back, not not whole long time ago, but 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So he calls all to himself. And we can only come to himself first and foremost through the sanctification of the spirit which comes through again the work of the cross and then secondly by belief in the truth now there's a great mystery in all of this and i i, I really choose not to get in deep theological arguments with people that want to make this the final stand whether i'm you know what chosen with no say in it or if i have a free will and god has no say in it i think both of those are wrong god's obviously the act of party but I know this this morning, that if you've called on the name of the Lord, you're chosen, and you can rest in that. And if you're chosen, you're going to call on the name of the Lord. And if you've called on the name of the Lord, you're chosen, and indeed you are, as it says here, you are blessed. And indeed we are blessed, because in this fallen, broken world, we can know that we are right with God through the atonement work of Jesus Christ, and we have eternity before us. That's something to rejoice in today, and I hope that you're found doing that. Again, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. And again, through coming to salvation through the atonement work of Christ, now we can boldly approach God. Hebrews talks about this. We can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. That's a blessing, is it not? To be able to do that. And he speaks again of the satisfaction of his house and his holy temple and, and, and again, we can speak of that eternally, but praise God, that can start today. Today, we have access to the goodness of his house, to the goodness of his holy temple through seeking him in prayer and worship and so forth. We can have restoration for us practically day after day after day as we seek him. And I don't know about you, I need it daily. In this broken world, in again, my own iniquity and shortcomings and so forth, I thank him for the atoning work of Jesus Christ day after day after day after day. Now, we're going to shift gears here. And now he begins to speak about uh, righteous, awesome deeds done by God. And again, all of them point to the worship of God. And it also speaks of the faithfulness of God despite our faithlessness. And it speaks again of the restoration of all things by God. Verse 5, he says, by awesome deeds and righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You who are the confidence of the ends of the earth and the far off seas. By righteous deeds of awesomeness, you'll answer us. And indeed, he answered them in sending his son, his righteous son, to bring forth salvation. And he is coming a second time to answer us. And hopefully we're found crying Maranatha. Hopefully we love his appearing. Hopefully that's something that we are longing for. And then he says, you're the confidence of the ends of the earth of the far off seas. And think about this. Listen, the earth stands and the seas exist, not because of them, but because of him. And even nature itself has its confidence in God Almighty. Colossians 1.17, it says, he is before all things and in him all things consist. Hebrews 1.3, it says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. He's holding it all together. Listen, he's holding all this together in this room this morning. And so if he's holding all this around us together, shouldn't we look to him to hold our lives together? Where's your confidence this morning? Is your confidence in you? Well, that's a bad place to put your confidence. That might work for a while, but listen, things will begin to implode. Ever been there before? Put your confidence in him. He's holding the seas together. 
He's holding this earth together. He's holding this room together. He's holding the shirt up upon your back this morning. Let's put our confidence to him and draw near to him. Notice verse 6, who established the mountains by his strength, being clothed with power. Again, the mountains are established by him. They haven't fallen over because of him. Without him, they would crumble. Last week, I had the blessing to go up to the Sierras. And guess what? I, I bring a good report. They're still standing. They haven't crumbled. Now, we had to go up quite a ways to find some snow. There's a lot up there now. Gotta, we end up doing some sledding in the middle of a, of a, in the middle of a road. But, but they're all being held up because of him. His strength, his power. So again, we want our confidence in him. And we should also make it our aim to ask him to be the one to establish us. Even in a broken world, even in a world, again, that is just full of peril, that's spinning out of control, get established in the Lord Jesus Christ. This week, I've been reading through the art of divine contentment again. What an incredible, you know, uh, work written some 400 years ago, but so pertinent for today. And, and, and the writer there talks about, you know, the pocket watch. And, and how it's put in the pocket and in that pocket it goes up and down and through valleys and hills and so forth in the pocket of, of the owner of it. Yet all the while the watch keeps perfect time. It just keeps clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking. And if you notice in this life there's ups and downs and there's bends and there's turns and all these things in the world itself, all these things in our little community or all the things in your home, all the things going on in your life and yet God wants to establish you to be that consistent clock clicking, clicking, moving forward in the midst of all of it, in the midst of whatever's coming your way, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever accusation, whatever persecution, your eyes on Jesus Christ moving forward, being established in him in the midst of all of it and it happens happens when we get our eyes upon him verse 7 you who still the noise of the sea and the noise of the waves and the tumults of the people and indeed christ fulfilled that i mean he does that today but in his ministry on the earth how many times did he rebuke the wind and the waves and the seas and he said peace be it still and they were still and the disciples marvel and he says who is this that even speaks in the water you know obeys him well he's god is who he is and in the storms of our life, and the tumult of the peoples, the upheaval of the peoples, in the, you know, at the words of the peoples and so forth. And boy, the enemy works through the peoples so much, doesn't he? Look to the Lord. Ask the Lord to silent those noises, to silent those noises in general, to silent those noises in your own hearts because you get those words oftentimes in your heart and they're so loud and you can't allow them to be louder than the word of God. Rest in the promises of God and ask God to bring the silence to those voices that are not him. Quickly here, verse eight, it says, they also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs. You make the ongoings of the morning and the evening rejoice. And so he's spoken of zion and now he's speaking of the farther parts of the earth and, and it's just a word saying that god gives signs everywhere here we are on wednesday night in, in exodus and numbers and and leviticus and so forth and it speaks about the nations around israel who all are aware of their deliverance out of egypt they're all aware of it see that was a sign not only to israel it was a sign to egypt and a sign to all those nations around who God was and the salvation that he had even for any who would call upon his name. And in the furthest parts of the world today, God has given signs. Creation, it's a sign there's a creator. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's a sign men need a savior. The signs of provision, the signs of judgments that even come upon this earth. And he says, you make the outgoings of the mornings and evenings rejoice. In the midst of all these signs, we get a sign every day. This morning, the sun came up. Were any of you up when the sun came up? Coming up a little bit earlier, you know. But that morning dawn, and then the sunset. We've had some glorious sunsets lately, have we not? I mean, just magnificent. And the Bible is saying that, Again, the outgoings of the mornings and the evenings rejoice. Creation worships. And that beauty that you see, you need to know that's not only beauty for you to see with your eye. That's creation worshiping God. It's okay to join in, to praise Him, to give Him glory. 
just to, to take a, a, a picture of that and throw it on your social media, giving God glory, giving God praise. Look what our God did. That's a glorious testimony. And, and there's a lot of people in those, those forums and so forth, they need a testimony. Verse 9, you visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. Notice here, notice this one. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain so you have prepared it. And again, the whole earth is watered by the Lord's watering can. It's watered practically. It provides grain for the field. He's also speaking it, though, of, of this being, you know, a spiritual provision on the just and the unjust alike, as he talks about there in Matthew 5, 45, sending the rain on the just and the unjust alike. It, practically doing that to want to lead even the natural man to the spiritual to look up and say boy i am unjust and yet i'm provided for that his kindness would lead them to repentance and then notice here again it speaks as well of spiritual things the river of god is full of water let me ask you this morning is your soul dry does your walk with the lord need to be restored do you need a fresh reconciliation with god well hear this again the river of god is full God is wanting to pour out on your life right now, right where you are. What do you need to do? You need to yield and you need to ask. That's what you need to do. You yield and you ask and he'll meet you where you are time and time and time again. And I found in my life a need to ask time and time and time again, day after day, day after day. As Jesus said in John 7, 37, on that last day, the great feast Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was yet not glorified. And David was looking forward to these things. We can walk in the fulfillment of many of these things. And in pouring his Spirit on all flesh, and the atonement work of Christ having been fulfilled and asking God to pour out that river of life into us day after day after day. If you're not going to pray it for you, please pray it for me. I'll take it. And better I'll pray for you and for me and I'll pray for you and I'll pray for me. And we need to pray that collectively for our fellowship. Be praying that for your children that the river of God would flow into their lives. That God would get hold of their hearts. Verse 10, he says, your water it ridges abundantly you settle its furrows you make it soft with showers you bless it with growth all the growth you see you see all the green that's starting to come up that's god bringing all that forth that salad you ate last night listen that's god that brought that forth all that we see around us it's god being faithful to us and indeed he wants to grow you and him draw near to him and he indeed will grow you Finally here, 11 through 13, he says, you crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy, they also sing. Again, this speaks of God's continual provision but these are words as well that speak of God's complete restoration of all things. For us practically in our lives, absolutely there's application as well. The crown, you crown the year with your goodness. We're at the beginning of a, of a new year, aren't we? God wants to crown it with his goodness. God wants to crown it with his hand working in our lives. And then he says, your paths drip with abundance. What paths are you walking? And you want to walk in that goodness? You want to walk in that dripping abundance of the Lord? And when we speak of that, we speak of the things of the Spirit of God working in your life. Then what path are you walking in? Are you trying to forge new paths? Or are you walking in the paths where Christ is found? Jeremiah 6, 16 says, uh, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see. And ask for the old past where the good way is and walk in it. Then you'll find rest for your souls. Sadly, it goes on to say, but they said, we will not walk in it. What will you say? Will you say, yes, I want to walk in the old past where Christ is. In the scriptures and worship and prayer. Get back to old-fashioned prayer and so forth. Or will I acknowledge, yeah, those things are good, but I'm not going to walk in it. 
What are we going to do? I pray by His grace we could abound in the past of the Lord and see again a year crowned with His goodness, dripping with the abundance of the work of the Spirit of God. And then again, verse 12, they drop on the pastures of the wilderness on the, and the little hills rejoice on every side. And I, and I love that scene because, again, the wilderness. And this is a broken world. It is a, it is a world that is very much a wilderness in many ways. And we got these little lights. We're like these little hills in this wilderness. And yet this great God wants to come and drop on the pastures of our life to bring forth fruit. Isn't that a glorious and a good picture of our God? Again, the pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys also are covered with grain. Speaking of God's provisions in that, His abundant, you know, provisions to us, they shout for joy, they also sing, and I would hope that we would join into that. And God being faithful to us, the restoration of Christ today, the restoration available today to all who would call on His name. And again, what's awaiting us? What, what is before us? Again, the restoration of all things in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the Lord. you got a very bright future. That's something to celebrate. That's something to be thankful for. That's something to, you know, it's not all oh, that far distant thing. No, that's something to rejoice in today. Knowing who we are in Him. Knowing what we have in Him. Knowing that this doesn't speak of just far off things. This is speaking of God working again in our life, even this moment, even this day, even this morning, even, you know what, in in Atascadero and wherever you're headed off after this to you know at north of here south east west wherever it is God going before us in it let's stand up and close in prayer oh Lord indeed we need you this morning God Lord it is a broken world Lord God, I, I can identify with, with David's words. Lord, iniquity has prevailed against us, but praise God, you've made that way of victory through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I pray that we'd be found looking to you, the author and finisher of our faith. I would pray this morning, God, that again, you'd wash our feet and you'd fill our hearts afresh with your Holy Ghost, with those rivers of God. Lord, that you cleanse us, God, that you burn away the wood hand stubble. And Lord, as we have entered into this new year, God, that you'd crown it with your goodness, God, because of who you are, God. Let us not make our stand our own righteousness, our own piety, God, our own holiness, but Lord, the righteousness found in Christ, your piety, God, and your holiness and so forth, God. And so cleanse us this morning, God, and shine your face on us. Shine your face on these sheep here, Lord. I just pray for any of this morning, God, that are just broken in spirit, God. They need that restoration today, God, that you'd bring that. Lord, that you would water, Lord, in the wilderness, God. Lord, that absolutely, God, you would water on the hills of our life, God. Lord, that today, God, you'd bring forth fresh fruit, God. Lord, you'd tend to your pasture. You would tend to your flock, God. That you'd meet each one of us right where we're at, God. And shine your face on each one here today, God, as only you can and as only you're able and capable of doing. And Lord, if there's any here today that don't know you, I pray this day they would cry out to you, Lord, knowing that you want to wash them today. You want to give them the atonement of their sins today, that this day, God, you want to have a relationship with them. And the Bible indeed says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord to be saved. If you have not, I can't. I can't plead with you enough to call on him today. Oh, let the Lord come in. Let him be the Lord of your life. That means, indeed, you're laying down whatever your Lord is and you're asking Christ to take that place, that rightful place in your life. Lord, any in that place, any in that place, meet them where they are, even this morning, and shine your face on them. And Lord, help us, Lord, to finish this time right here well and worship and praise to you, Lord. I pray, God, after this time of worship, you'd bless our fellowship with one another. Lord, I pray, Lord, you bless the altar up here and God, any prayer that would take place that we would look to you and God draw near to you. Let's worship God as we we close here.
Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you in the Lord. Um, pray you have a wonderful day in Him. Uh, invite some uh, prayer counselors to come up. And if you, you know, like to come and pray with someone, absolutely welcome you to do that. Encourage someone before you leave today. And again, God bless you in the Lord Jesus.